Hello and welcome to Michael and Ivanka's Grand Podcast, a weekly podcast in which we take the time to think. I'm Ivanka Magic. My name is Michael Forrest. <laughs> I like, we're trying to understand things as well. I tell you, every conversation we have goes into my vault of usefulness. You know, whether or not this is making any cash, it's certainly like, you know, the song wouldn't have, that song wouldn't have got made probably if we hadn't, I hadn't had a conversation that I would have felt hypocritical about that enough that I dragged myself out of bed at three in the morning to go and record a melody into my phone. The more lenses I can put on the world through our conversations, the better. And hopefully the listener benefits from that to some extent too. This week is part two of our fake news conversation we were it was going to be we were going to try we just ended up talking about it for ages so we thought we'd be kind to ourselves and break it into two parts so and have a week off yes because <laughs> i'm on holiday next week that's why we're doing a double record so i'm going to holiday i'm going to oslo anyway um let's let's get the episode started shall we fake news yes, part let's. two we talked about lots of digital how we're going to deal with this apocalyptic future that we're faced with so let's get into that episode now as we retrospectively record an intro to it so in this part two of this episode you got any more uh you know, let's have a bit of chit-chat, shall we? Yeah, I saved let's... up a couple of stories from earlier. Um, but well, I how, saved are you, how are you? Loads of oh, stories. Loads. How are you, Ivanka? <laughs> I am excellent. More depressed We've... than you were two hours ago. <laughs> I, well, the, the roller coaster ride that was recording a double episode did make me very depressed, but then it lifted me back up again. Mm. And now I couldn't possibly pick another topic. <laughs> I can tell you about my week, yeah, which is involved... So the plus side of being forced to go to Zag-Reb yes. for uh, the purposes of bureaucracy meant that I was on the mainland with my van, which has space in it for plants. Ooh. So I was able to go, because we do have a garden centre on the island here, but it's very small and it's all very limited choice. So I went to Split, which is a large port city on the on the coast of Croatia. And I went to their uh, garden centre and I bought a lime, two lemon trees, a tangerine tree, a bourguignonia. Trees? So, trees. Wow. We've been planting trees in our garden. And so it's not just going to be the loquats olives. anymore. You're introducing no. diversity oh, into your environment. News. What? We chopped down one of the three loquats. Holy crap. Gone. It was quite a traumatic thing. We've been cutting it, cutting it, cutting it, and then we decided to get rid of it. But actually, it, as our wonderful daughter pointed out, we have more fresh air in our garden now. <laughs> that was her interpretation she of it. Know how fresh air works. Don't you know the trees make the air fresh? Because <laughs> it, it's opened it out much more, and there's much more blue sky and fresh air now that the tree isn't in the way. <laughs> but we've re- put on that spot a lime tree. Okay. And the man in the garden centre, uh, you know, he said, he said, uh, I can't imagine what people use limes for other than cocktails. <laughs> and I said, Mexican cooking. He went, oh, yes, you've got a point there. <laughs> so I bought some trees, some bougainvilleas, lots of lavender and rosemary. I'm very jealous uh, of the like. I I have this. Uh, I had this um, 
This came up in a conversation with a billionaire's son in a restaurant uh, recently, wow. but he was talking about his like grounds, his estate, and I was like, do you know, I'd love if I had fruit trees and I could pick my breakfast fruit. If I could just have fruit from my trees, I'd, I'd love that. That'd be amazing. Yeah, we have to plant things that are low maintenance. Hence, I have loads of pomegranates and uh, citrus fruit are quite capable of looking after themselves. The loquats, bizarrely, are actually quite sensitive little flowers. More massive trees, but this year the frost killed. We had no fruit on them this year. This is the fickleness of that nature thing. Donald Trump, <laughs> apocalypse. No loquats. <laughs> no loquats this year. Explain now, that. Um, it actually snowed on the island, right. which is like blown everyone's mind <laughs> this winter. But anyway, it was uh, the so grapes, grapevines require some. You do need to look after them. You need to be there at the right time to yeah. prune them and all that yeah. stuff. Um, and we've planted lavender and rosemary primarily because, again, they're native, so they can survive it when it goes gets a bit dry and hot. And also they smell nice and maybe it'll put off a few mosquitoes. <laughs> I live in <laughs> no, hope. it works. Uh, I don't know. I'm so, I know nothing about this. We've been, I've been doing enough. We've got a front garden that we... I, I, I did uproot all those plants and stuff it grew back we did it again a couple of weeks ago but like we need to really like think about what we actually want it to look like and go to a garden center and put you know choose some stuff and i'm just like you know it feels like i'm looking forward to the day that we managed to do that because i'm quite i I do enjoy coming out and it's nice and neat looking but i think we should choose some stuff i have to say that rosemary works quite well in brighton as well it's a Rosemary really seems to be really hardy. It's evergreen. It smells mm. nice. The bees like it. It's got lots of I like a bit pluses. of rosemary. I'd love to and, uh, just have the herb can... garden, but I don't know what would be mucking about with that in our street. Wow. There was a croissant on our little flower bed this, yesterday. And a couple of days before that, a dirty rat trap. Ugh. Like a sticky feet rat thing someone had chucked in the garden. So we were just like, what? <laughs> This, this, why would you do this? Um, yeah, so we've got that sort of problem in our front garden. Yeah, we don't have that problem. We have lots and lots of insects. Ooh, lots of like insects, insects. And lots of... We even had two snakes. And while my sister was here, an eagle owl landed in the garden. Uh, an e- Was it an eagle or an owl? It's an eagle owl. What That's the what it's hell? called. It's a really big owl. I don't believe you. But I don't believe I don't that know. such a thing as an eagle owl exists. You can Wikipedia it. <laughs> I refuse. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be, it'll be the truth because it's on Wikipedia. Eagle owl cherry. Um, <laughs> so, so how is your week, Michael? I've got some story. I, I, so here's, here's Michael's rant about something stupid. I can see why you make music, Michael. <laughs> Michael's rant about something stupid. Coming oh, up. Nice. Customer service has got much easier to get hold of now. So I get some rotten apple crisps. I tweet a picture of them and the company that makes them immediately gets back to me and goes, oh, we're so sorry to see that you had these rotten crisps. And then they say... Let us make it up to you by sending you another packet of these crisps. And I say to myself, I don't like them anymore. (laughs) They're rotten. Don't just try and give me more of the stuff that I don't like. (laughs) Similarly, my rear bike light 
has this bit of rubber on it with some little ladder rungs on it that you pull it around your back, yeah. you know, shaft thing. And every single, it's split along it. I've used it at every width now. <laughs> it's split every time. And the other day, it just, for the last, the last one split, you know, with my keep cup rubber inside it. That fell off my bike when I was in, on the road and I had to go back and find it. And so I, I submitted an Amazon review saying this product, the rubber used is not fit for purpose. It is snapped. Like I've put a picture up and then immediately got like a reply uh, from the company saying, oh, let, give us your address so that we can send you a replacement. And I was just like, well, I just, I need to see institutional change. I need to see promises. I've just seen that your current systems and ways of producing your products are unsatisfactory. So I just don't want the product anymore, do I? It's not enough just to send me a replacement. Why is that the go-to? This is a... First world entitlement thing, but it's also a comment on the lowering of standards. I read a very good blog post many years ago, the dawn of blogs, saying the word standard, I may have said it on this podcast already, standards yeah. used to be you work to a high standard, you do it the best you can do it. Now standard means what is the minimum level of quality we can get standard. away with and ship something. And it is mm. sort of the opposite of what it should mean. So I need to know that you're raising your standards. Don't just send me more of your horrible products. <laughs> I mean, if it included the, oh, we've become aware of this problem and we have addressed it, so we're going to send you the new version of the thing. Exactly. That's what I'm after. That's what mm, I want yeah. from these companies next time. So, like, it's good that you're responding to me when I'm just passive-aggressively saying stuff about you on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Though, to be fair, sometimes things just aren't quite right. You know, you get a batch or you get a percentage of things that are, even though 99% of the time they are good. Yeah, so tell me that this, oh, it was, this batch was bad. Tell me that that, but it looks like you bought this rubber, which has got some sort of weakness along the middle that means that it send functionally me more of it. doesn't work. It just doesn't work as a product. Um, mm. I was watching some sort of technical YouTube video. And someone said it was it was it was maybe like a programming a game engine. Oh, I could talk about my game thing. Someone said something about people being able to do stuff for opposite ends of the globe, or flat Earth, depending on <laughs> depending on your views. Did they say that? Yeah, they said that in this thing. I was like, oh. why would you? Why would you? I mean, I, I it, if it was a joke. Now this is was not the, the time to be making jokes was, like that. Now is not the time, and it was just you are the driest. You have the driest sense of humour in history, and which had there was no evidence of in any other part of this video. So, don't please don't please don't say that sort of thing. Or flat Earth, depending on your views. No, some things are not about. Belief. Some things are about truth. Truth does exist. It does. The only thing in debate is our access to it. But let's, oh. you know, let's not get crazy. No. Um, yeah, the thing I did last weekend, which was why I was a bit late with the podcast edit, I did the Game Maker's Toolkit, Game Jam, which I'd sort of paid attention to last year. And so what happens is you... So it's a website called Itch... .io where you can set up these game jams and um, they post the brief up and then you have 48 hours to 
kind of upload a game that you've made that answers that brief. And last year it was um, reusing the same mechanic for multiple purposes. So you move by, you shoot, but you move by shooting as well, like dual purpose mechanics. Okay. Um, and I thought, right, I'm, I, I've been sort of vaguely thinking I might like to make a game. So I, I might just, you know, this is a time boxed thing. Let's just, uh, let's just dedicate a weekend. Maybe I do a sleepless one, maybe I don't. In the end, I, I don't think that was really needed. But, well, I mean... <laughs> maybe it was um but so the brief came through um and the brief was it's a genre game without one mechanic that usually defines that genre so i i had to think about it i talked to sharon i but i, I don't think i had a particularly good idea but i was i had a few little thoughts it was quite a hard one to answer but then in the end i thought it might be quite funny I, I had an idea for a game called text and drive which was i thought it'd be quite funny to have a driving game where you don't look out the window you're just looking at your phone the whole time you just hear all the carnage that you're causing i thought that'd be quite fun and then i just ended up wrestling with like because i i, I I'm sort of like a little bit allergic to things like Unity, like game engines. I'd rather sort of roll my own thing. But I was like, well, I should try Unity. It's good enough for some of these great games that have come out recently. I'll give it a go. But then I ended up like, I sort of managed to bootstrap a driving game quick, pretty quickly, but then I couldn't get like the mono developed thing to work. I'm quite impressed with how mono seems to really have taken over cross-platform development. It's like what drives Unity. Anyway, I just couldn't get the mono develop thing to work in the end properly. I wouldn't. Yeah, I ended up rebuilding it from scratch, and it worked a lot better. But then I hardly had any time. But it just turned out. It just kind of ended up feeling like a game where you just you're just looking at a portion of the screen and kind of driving around based on a thing. So I don't think it would have been good. But I had to like accept defeat on it as well. In the end, I was like, I'm just not. I'm just. This, I've. Uh, this is too much. I'm not going to do it. But I, it was just. I think it was good. It was a good learning experience in terms of like, okay, how much has got to be done? What is a reasonable sized challenge? And then I was watching all the videos of some of the stuff other people had done in the time, and I, I was feeling a bit kind of self conscious that like some of the winners, some of the top ones last year were quite polished looking. I was like, how is that even possible? But I think maybe it was. Um, yeah, like don't attempt it alone again, or at least be. a bit more prepared next time make sure that your development environment actually works <laughs> yeah. but Before, I, yeah, I didn't know what yeah, i didn't know if anything. i was going to make like an ios puzzle game or if i was going to make oh, a 3d see, thing or like so i was like okay well if i'm going to make a 3d thing i'm going to use this thing that lets me just kind of throw in a car that drives you know and has yeah, yeah, you know yeah, yeah. rendering and audio and stuff like out of the box but then you know the, the problem with things like that is it's very easy to get started but then once you start trying to customize it's like you're untangling something that you have no idea you know, you know what's gone into it and you know what's possible whereas like i, I prefer rolling my own things because i'm like i know exactly what i know this is a popular thing with nerds and i think you've got to draw the line in the right place but and part of it's that well if you just learn how the game engine works then you will know what you can do and then that's good too but anyway whatever did try the game jam failed but i guess i learned something and i think i think i'm going to try another one i'll try another one next year maybe i'll try and find some people to work with next time it seemed like lots of people they had got like over a thousand entries to this thing so yeah tried that that sounds like a really fun thing to in the, the, the whole um coming up with i i've been at a workshop once um where you learn different techniques to help people produce ideas mm. and excluding a key part of something like the idea of having a, a genre game without one of its mechanics i think it's an edward de bono idea generating right. <laughs> technique which ends up in some quite fun stuff like having a restaurant without a kitchen or mm. having a 
you know, an aeroplane without seats or something, mm. and then you can you actually you can come up with some quite interesting things if you take out one of the critical components of something mm. or characteristics. You like to keep busy, Michael. Oh God, it's exhausting. <laughs> Well, let's go back to the uh, pre-recorded last week's episode now and uh, continue yeah. with the debate as it started last week and interrupt when with completely different energy levels. It's going to be awesome. Yes. Uh, let me just like whiz through some notes. Uh, okay, so there was a debate on Channel 4 and Channel 4, as it was going on, they were kind of throwing up fact checks on things people were saying. So if someone said something false, <laughs> like this isn't true, they put a thing up. But then nobody believed it. They just heard what they wanted to hear. So even if you do put that information in front of people, they still have this thing that it's the voice of the media, the mainstream central media that, that, that it sort of makes they people hear what they want to hear was a thing. Here. Another point was it's societal. All this, all these problems are societal, not legislative. So the fact that people. I don't know, on one angle, the fact that people can be anonymous and kind of throw shit into the world, is, I don't know if that's a I think that's a technological problem, but there was a lot of talk of legislating, fining, how do you, how do you set up laws, how do you punish people for doing bad things? But that's a game that you're never going to win. No. And it's, and it's sort of like a social problem if there's so much, if it's so much easier to be a bad person in society than a good person and I did want to say this for the end but something that Orit Copil said at the end of the debate this the wiki wiki tribune person she said right we're talking about all the trolling we're talking about all the terrible stuff that happens on the internet but most of what happens on the internet is positive is really nice is people help and and, and you sort of heard the room gasp they were like what Ooh. and, and I, I was like oh and she was like, yeah, people give their time, they give their energy to other people that they're never going to meet all the time, all day long on the internet. Yeah. Like 90% of what happens online is kind of amazing and makes you feel warm. Um, and there's obviously something wrong if people's innate goodness is getting sort of almost like poisoned by stuff that's going on like and we if we if in, and this isn't really her speaking anymore but like if instead of like trying to figure out more ways of punishing people I, and I do think like if you leave people to their own devices they will kind of get up to mischief obviously and they will do bad things and you have to have laws but the way to foster change is not by creating more rules that people find ways around it's by kind of changing the culture uh, by changing how people see things, by uh, sort of promoting values, by, you know, kind of having stuff that leans on people's positive qualities instead of trying to punish them for their negative qualities. Now you say it, of course, there's all these open source projects, there's all these, you know, charity, people crowdfunding things, crowdsourcing stuff, doing loads of things. This all happens thanks to the internet. Yeah. Is people clubbing together and doing something positive. Yeah. I think the the village has got much bigger. You know, like I think the, the offline community, if it is a societal problem, it may have a lot to do with this sort of urban, uh, industrialised ways of living, where you're just not living in a group anymore, yeah, where yeah. people know each other. Where, you know, if I go to the park here 
and the, you know, the young teenagers are hanging out in the kids' park and they drop some rubbish on the floor, I can, without any reservations, go, <clears throat> excuse me, please, could you pick yeah. this paper up before you leave the park? Um, and uh, they will. I won't get any gobbiness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I am a grown-up who, you know, is, is in their presence. And But this is a very small village. Yeah. People, they don't know if I do or don't know their mum. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a bit of um, sort of, oh, I better behave myself. So, you know, without anyone, anyone being fined or there being any punishment, there is this sort of mutual looking after respect. Mm. I don't know. That, yeah, that, that's, well, just, you know, we are human instincts. We have quite a lot of human instincts that are based around like having a positive society. And we're, we're kind of the online world has become bigger than the offline world and, and people are fracturing into their own different sorts of groups where 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 there's there's no punishment for transgressions in the way that you know that there would be in a village but also there's i don't know like but it's like you said like when when a child is confronted with the results of doing something that hurts someone else they start crying because it makes them feel bad whereas if you don't ever see the bad thing bad result you just kind of throw something off you don't learn that emotional that yeah, empathy. yeah yeah that's true when you go online you're m- most of the time people are being brought together because they're finding some sort of affinity we're actually in an offline community it's like in a village in a street yeah. in a there's a mix of people yeah is they're very rarely as like you as i don't know some forum on something yeah, you're yeah, really yeah, into yeah, yeah. and it's that sort of uh, that's probably the worst societal impact. Having to deal with people that are different from you, we sort of don't really as much anymore. But no. then when we do, it's really bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And this yeah, was something I was excited about, you know, in the 90s, the early 2000s. It's like, oh, you could have these really specific things getting amplified. It'd be really exciting, like music scenes, and yeah, you yeah, can yeah, find yeah. your people. But now it's, yeah, people have found their people. <laughs> Bad people have found that people as well. People have found all sorts of other people like them. And then the, and also like less and less having to kind of talk to anyone else. It's it's getting messed yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. But that's you know, it's it's we're just learning, aren't we? So when when you do I'm thinking about the open source communities yeah. and largely the 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 thing that happened my experience of working on Ubuntu was such that when I had to deal with a lot of people online there's a lot of times when I felt offended, upset, whatever, you know, or, or yeah. people would write things. Then you'd meet them face to face. And actually, <laughs> mm. either, I mean, they some of them had as difficulty communicating offline as they did yeah. online. But but you could find that there was a hum- humanity to it. Yeah. That then when you took it back online, it was much easier because you had actually looked at each other in the eye and had yeah. a conversation. And therefore, and there's this kind of like the narrowness of the communication that happens online also isn't conducive to proper human interaction. Yeah. You know, instead of getting the full experience of seeing somebody's body language or how upset they are. Yeah. Like the lady who wouldn't give me her name the other day. Yeah. She was not doing it in an officious way. She was doing. She did it gently. She even sort of patted my hand and went, <laughs> "I'm here," and uh, sort of. I'm not not telling you my name because I'm rude or because it's just that I can't. So I didn't feel upset. I thought it was very odd. Right. Yeah. But I do you know. What I mean? But the sort of yeah, extra yeah, bits so, of the well, communication. And as you you can put it as bandwidth, like there's the bandwidth of our communication is like when it's a few words. It's like there's so much that comes from 
someone's physical presence that is not being replicated. I think like no. the rise of the rise in popularity of video based stuff where you can see more and more of the sort of micro details of what people are how people are reacting, but then still that's gonna be very you know, you're going to show what you want to show. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, we're, we're just trying to, like, increase and increase the bandwidth. But then you, the fact that you've always got that choice of how wide or narrow you want to make that gate, and it seems like, you know, your incel communities tend to favour a narrow gate, right? They tend to favour a forum where they can just type stuff. I suppose there is, there are YouTube channels. I haven't seen any footage. I, I, I watched a long video on incels, another a ContraPoints video. She kind of covered it all, but there wasn't any really any video footage. It was all kind of from forums. Um, so I guess... What's incel? In, uh, involuntary celibate. They, they were talking about it on oh. Guilty Feminist the other week as well. It's, this is um, kind of like turning not getting to have sex with anyone into an identity and oh. kind of like it, it gets pretty, you know, with all the sorts of misogynist language you'd expect um and sort of suicides and you know it's it's it's, it's and sort of weird entitlement and weird, but that that's another conversation I, I almost think i kind of want to talk about it a bit more because it's you know but not necessarily on today but i'm just saying like as an example of a very specific community of people i think like right. the, the 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 funnel of the bandwidth that you Almost like maybe the worse you want to be, the narrower bandwidth you choose. Because if you did try and have that same conversation with someone you were face to face with, that would just be impossible. So Carl Miller, uh, who's like a tech analysis, social media person at demos demos um or in demos i don't know anyway this guy he made a few points about basically this is war it's warfare that we're talking about now like um like wars are being fought on this information level now more than anywhere else so we need to kind of treat it like that and step up because we're kind of like very vulnerable to it he, like and talking about influence operations fake news russia china they like 400 million social media posts a year propaganda type fake news things are made in russia and china techniques will go well beyond trying to impersonate a news site it benefits autocratic regimes over democratic regimes well the, yeah. the, if you just kind of like if an autocracy is willing to just make up propaganda in a way that a democracy just wouldn't do. So there is a asymmetry there in who's going to win this battle. Yeah, we talked about, you know, you have to be prepared to act like your enemy to anticipate your, you know, like, uh, you know, you can't imagine doing it, therefore you can't imagine how to protect yourself from it. And this is a, this yeah. is a, yeah, yeah, but this is a theme in, like, why the alt-right seems to be winning in a lot of things because... A liberal argument is it a disadvantage to a sort of to the sorts of alt right arguments that you get, uh, which aren't you know done in good faith, which aren't uh, around listening or growing, so they just automatically have this advantage, and it's the same apparently you know with the sort of fake news propaganda type engines. Um, technologists don't want to debate; they just want to build things. They just want to make a thing. They don't yeah. want to talk about it. They just try a thing and just make a new thing. So. You know, Facebook exists, but, you know, the people don't really want to kind of... I saw, some, um, I saw some footage on, you know, Facebook video of Mark Zuckerberg responding to questions from, like, senators and stuff, and it was like... 
Like, so could someone do this? I was like, well, you know, just having to try and answer people that just are so far from having any understanding that it's just like, what? what? I, it's, yes, but we wouldn't. But, like, well, you know, things like that. Um, but we need a way of making rules quicker, which I, you know, can agree more with. People distrust papers because three large companies own them all. It's kind of fair enough. Right, so they are mm. looking for alternative news sources. Makes sense. Like it has become this monopoly, and yeah. it is being abused. Um, and you know that people aren't wrong to distrust the media, but the alternative to distrusting the media isn't just believe everything that comes out of Trump's mouth, which some people seem to have made that mistake. <laughs> just go with us. Just go with what we're saying. Does that sound right. I think thinking about it more deeply has made me quite depressed. Well, I mean, this is this podcast. Yeah, the the thing about the the fake news element and the way it's run, um, uh, just for me opens up a broader question of if, if the progressive, liberal thinking people of the planet don't have the me- mechanism and the means to combat... You know, because we've kind of got two futures ahead of us. We've got a future where we all... In my in my eyes, there's this sort of future where we all club together, um, decide that we don't need to consume quite as much and we worry about the planet a bit more and we sort of protect our future. Yeah. Or we go Mad Max. Okay. <laughs> and, oh. you know, if we keep going fake news all right, you know, they're... They have shown no indication that they have any concern or awareness of some of the broader concerns of things like the health of the planet. You know, I've not met an alt-right environmentalist. No, have you met? Perhaps I haven't looked. I might look for one. Maybe. (laughs) Yes, maybe there is one. Whether Um, they recycle. (laughs) But but here's the thing, though. It's it's swings and roundabouts. It's going to be like you just look at any. It just makes me think of game theory simulations. You yeah. you just change the rules and you see suddenly people, prisoner dilemma, yeah, yeah, game yeah, yeah, theory yeah. type stuff. You change the rules, you change the behaviours. Suddenly kind of like the bad people start to grow, but then the other people behaving in a different way will then have an opportunity yeah. to oh, sort of do a cooperative thing yeah. and, and it will yes, kind of yes. ebb and flow. And, you know, it's, yeah, it's we I... had Obama for, you know, US had Obama for eight years and it was, you know... It was an optimistic time, but now we, you know, we got some years yeah. of a psycho. I, I, yeah. Like I do think that weirdly, the positive of Trump and Brexit are that the liberal progressives, however left or right they are, yeah. need to, you know, hopefully have had enough of a wake up to go. Yeah. Do you know what? If you if you relax too much, shit like this happens. Yeah, yeah. So you know, you, you can't just sit around and. Enjoy progress. Go, hey, America got a black president. Our work is done. We need to, <laughs> you know, you like... know people realising we need to raise our game, basically, yeah. because there's, so. there's stuff that you couldn't anticipate. I'm glad I said that. I was feeling depressed because now I feel a bit better. I'm reminded okay, that you know, you <laughs> what, what keeps me optimistic. Here's, um, here's the last question they asked was, how do we ensure the digital future is democratic? Which I thought... I've... I don't know if I, what I think about that as a question, but fine. But in terms of sort of fixing fake news or, I don't know, improving things. So Tulip Sadiq said, give local newspapers charitable status so that they're not sort of on this kind of trying to, you know, make money 
grindstone in the same way so that they're not because she was like yeah a lot of the kind of best a lot of really good information comes from local newspapers I don't know about I don't know about that, how does that help I, I, um, how does I'm it trying make... to give I'm trying to give the idea justice now rather than what, just saying what it. was the question um, how, how do we ensure, how do the, ensure digital the digital future is democratic and her well, answer was I don't know. Just take. The I'll give you the answer. Capitalist I'll tell you pressure. The well, you do. You can do yours at the end. Let me give them. Okay. Give you theirs, and we'll. Right, then we so can both try and answer it, right? Okay. Um, the Lee Rowley said, "Do something about anonymity and transparency online." Um, he was the Tory guy. My kind of first reaction to this that was like, "Well, that's what Zuckerberg tried." So what Mark Zuckerberg, that's what Facebook was supposed to be. He was like, he's always been very anti-anonymity online. Um, and just it's been kind of a shock to me that people will openly under their real names be racist now. Right. <laughs> so um, he's Lee's, you know, he's a little bit behind because, <laughs> frankly, that's kind of one of, the, one of the founding principles of Facebook is like not being able to hide behind some, you know, username. Yeah. If you try and sign up with a fake account, see how far you get without being able to sort of provide some information. Say Akiwowo, the founder of Glitch UK. She had a couple of points there. Um, she had this idea that like millions of people still lack access to this technology. And I'm like, I, I don't buy into that. So, but you're nodding vigorously. So, I, that was my art. It's like in Brighton, 16% of adults are still digitally excluded. And digitally excluded means either no access to the internet, no access to a device that can connect to the internet, no email address, no ability to log, log on. There are a number of them who have no desire, who are mm. sort of refusers. But the national average in Britain is 10% of the population are what is termed as digitally excluded. Mm, that right, is a okay. lot of people. Well, this is, uh, yeah, something I have no exposure to, so maybe it's something to uh, bring up at a later date. Um, <laughs> That's why I was trying to go, yeah, you know, yeah, when yeah. you said local, the newspapers, I was like, hang on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> You've got um, the people that buy the local newspaper as a paper, because they don't go online, yeah. and then you've got the people that access it online. They're having a totally different experience mm. of their local newspaper, never mind anything else. Mm. Um, she said data campaigns, I thought was a good one, like a sort of don't drink and drive type thing, but for, you know, data awareness. Yeah. We're seeing the Facebook yeah. bus ads, but, you know, I think uh, you need people to be more aware of those sorts of crimes and know yeah. how to kind of spot things. That, that can be something government can do. Orit Copel, Wiki Tribune person, said most online activity is positive. It's not all trolling and bullying. Um, and sort of to leverage people's positive qualities. You know, like, I think if we can find ways of doing that, that's to me, that's the only hope we have here. Like, you can't just punish and punish. You need to, no, no. I don't know, incentivize. Uh, <laughs> Royal College of Algorithmists. Uh, Hippocratic wow. oath for technologists. So, yes. so that was what um, we've discussed that, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. What do you what do you reckon the uh, answer is? Well, I think there's a there's a there's still a so the digital inclusion thing is a thing. Well, you know, yeah, getting, okay. making sure everyone is digitally ex included is your first step towards democracy. I mean, having worked at some pretty high profile political, you know, I worked at the Labour <laughs> Party. There are member like mar members married to each other who share a email address that's a problem okay when you when it comes to identifying yourself online for example it is not unknown in a in fact it's not it's not just an age thing and it's not particular to any party but there are married couples who share email addresses which makes it quite tricky to 
identify yourself online or one person does all the onlining people talk about teaching people how to code and you and I have had this conversation in the context of you know being in a position this was a two or three years ago we've talked about it which is being in a position to not be duped sort of for it but I'm not sure learning how to code is necessarily the the way to do that but technical and digital literacy are important mm. well, yeah There's education no, like the like, word cloud for the answer to this question the biggest one was education education like, totally i mean we've had the green cross code for years of how yeah. to safely navigate the streets yeah. there needs to be a green cross code type thing for how to navigate technology well there needs to be really. there needs to be a living set of codes that adapt in real time to the changing environments <laughs> of the world and so it's not really something that you just how, kind of learn once i wonder once. how the green cross code would translate though sort of like the, the look both ways listen <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe it can just it's be like more maybe, of a value level maybe, thing than a kind yeah. of specifics <laughs> The only thing about the digital exclusion line is, um, in terms of fake news, is to me, it's just like, well, that's just more people to be duped by the fake news coming online, isn't it? I don't know how that kind of really relates to solving the fake news problem. For me, that's an indicator. The fact that those people exist at still such a high percentage, you know, national average being 10% of the adult population, that's a lot. That means that there's a level, there's probably, if you see them as a sort of tip of the iceberg of digital exclusion, there's layers under them that kind of are online, but don't really know where they are right. or what so they're doing. So you think just like what not knowing at. what's going on is, yeah, yeah like something part, we need to educate It's got to be part people. of it. Yeah. You know, understanding the difference between a leaflet and a newspaper. Mm. Again, offline analogies, but I've always chuckled about the fact that most people people outside of the technology bubble Mm. don't refer to firefox or chrome they click on the internet yeah well i loved how my um grandma used to click on the internet explorer icon and call it google i'm just gonna go to click on go on google and it's like uh, microsoft would hate that But, (laughs) but it's those kind of like exactly those things yeah yeah so i mean literacy and awareness you know, it's, I guess, you know, the, the thick end of the wedge, the, the iceberg of people that are actually casting their votes based on misinformation, false information is, you know, they're the ones that just, yeah, need to kind of understand what's going on a, a bit more. And, and it's and it kind of my my thoughts on this. Uh, personally, I think in terms of fake news, the thing to address would be, I think, if people could see why they were targeted with a specific piece of content. If they could, if it showed them, oh well, because you're this demographic, because you're this age, you're in this area, and you performed this on this psychometric profile, you are being shown this. I think that would take the air out of it pretty quickly. To me, the problem, the reason it was so effective, these campaigns that have kind of put us where we are, were because people didn't realise how much was behind that random bit of content that they just, you know, they're yeah. scrolling through and they're seeing stuff, they're just not realising that that there is someone that knows a lot more than they realise and people get very defensive about that and if people could see, oh, what? You, you know, I think straight away they would massively distrust that content so, but I think in terms of fake news yeah, in terms of um, you know, making things generally more democratic I'd f- is part of the problem that We've reached a point where we're so democratic that 
a lot of the ways we used to be protected from ourselves are now not protecting us anymore. How can you democratically impose values? How can you democratically, without it just being pure game theory of here are some behaviours and they happen to work or they don't work, how... Like we, this is a symptom of an increasingly mm. democratic system, isn't it? Otherwise, well, you just, you know, people would just kind of like manipulate things and get away with it, and we just, you know, things would be how, how they've always been. Over over the course of this podcast recording, mm. not today, but I mean, over the course of the year, you know, I, I'm I have begun to consider the idea that where there is this new post post-political, post-democratic sort of phase that we need to enter into mm. where you have mm. more engaged democracy, not less, you know, like technology enables far more uh, micro-level decision-making, you know, nuanced inclusion. But in order to do that effectively, we need, we need to know what buttons we're getting. <laughs> you know, that like button or the, you know, thumb up, thumb down or whatever the, the sort of what because technology enables that every you know yeah yeah exactly like so that we need to fuel (laughs) put put some of this technology back into but i think like even televising the house of commons is made it i think like get rid of this fake debate would be nice as well let's can we like get these old systems institutions old ways of doing things are uh, they're kind of transparently obsolete and i think people can see that and i think that's the voting problem it's like well no one's listening to anyone no one cares about the actual like what happens they just care about themselves politics is politics like political behavior what's that got to do with infrastructure and setting up getting roads built you know why is that a political thing why is healthcare a political thing why is education a political thing at any level like it shouldn't be should it and if yeah post-political world is something i would very much like to like see and i think like transparency and yeah like inventing new technology is the way is the way towards that but then you know the new thing will always new things appear and they will favor a certain they'll Mm. create their own bubbles they'll create their own sort of like spikes of you know behavior but that's that's just how it is and we will be problems with the new things like there were problems with the old things but at least we're iterating faster but you know let's try and iterate fast enough that we don't eventually we're going to iterate ourselves out of existence if you believe Elon Musk or you know a lot of these people that uh, are warning about the burgeoning AI apocalypse you know sort of so many people well, are yeah. trying to face place their faith in like so many people's answers to that question on the thing were like well probably AI probably uh, probably augmented yeah. <laughs> like everyone's like wants to put that uh, probably a blockchain thing will fix it it's like people just want to put their faith in whatever the newest sounding technology is not really this is going to be very mundane soon and it's not a silver bullet no Nothing is a magic silver bullet. It's like, you know, it's not going to be the new thing that fixes it. It's going to be the thing that we've got the hang of now that fixes it. Um, And we're still getting the hang of all this technology. We're still getting the hang of like the ebbs and flows, the effects, the causes and effects, the uh, resonances that come out of this this stuff existing now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, it, I mean, what would it look like if you, you know, the subject of you being able to see the profile that somebody has on you? I mean, you can you can apply to see your credit score. Mm. So, you know, maybe we make it more formal that you have an advertising, an advertiser's profile. 
Well, that the are... thing is, like, it's, it, it, this is a platform level thing. And I don't know if, you know, Facebook are going to need to be forced by governments to institute something like that because it's not really in their interest. Like, advertising is just going to be less effective if people can see how they've been targeted. But if, if you, have you seen that there's a, there's a card come out called um, Anna or something that the Anna rings a bell, but it's basically stops you from buying black uh, things from blacklisted companies. Ooh. So companies who don't treat their employees well and who, whatever, I can't remember the criteria, it's particularly about employees stuck in my head. Mm. Um, but basically, if you try and spend money with this card from a company that doesn't meet certain standards, mm. then it stops you. I mean, I've got no problem with pre-selecting myself to say there are certain things I don't want to do. Yeah. Please help me not do them. Uh, but that really, you know, there's a there's a trust. I need to declare myself to be interested in certain things, yeah. and then trust companies to adhere to. And maybe advertising is no longer the business model that ev- all of these things just totally rely on advertising business models. Yeah, and maybe Blatant we should just pay for Facebook, and we wouldn't just, like if everyone just paid yeah. two pounds a year for Facebook, we wouldn't have this problem. <laughs> no, <laughs> and you know, does does the, I think yeah, that I think that's part of the problem. It's like we all want stuff for free mm-hmm. that we don't really need. You know, it's like, anyway, we want stuff for free, no. but we don't realize that we're the product. Everyone, you're if something's free, you're the product. If you didn't know that already, I really hope you do by now. But that's just you know, remember that. for listening i hope you enjoyed it and maybe you want to hear more stuff like this i'm sure you do but anyway if you like the podcast come to grandpodcast.com and where can people find you ivanka uh, people can find me at ivanka on twitter uh, you can find me at michaelforismusic.com and what can they uh, what can people do to help be really nice if people would share links to grandpodcast.com or itunes or whatever you listen to podcast on write us some reviews a few five stars are always always very welcome uh if you can't find us on something then let us know <laughs> we'll, we'll make sure we join in with that platform too hmm. uh, but yes tell um, your friends why should anyone help us i don't know why are we doing this because we went to Meaning Conference and we were like, oh God, this is all so intense and I never want to think about this. Let's make ourselves think about this every week because otherwise you get Trumps and you get Brexits. So why should you share this? Because let's think about this stuff all year round, people, everyone, you and your mother (laughs) and your brother and your other mother, right? Just everyone... Like we, if we don't, if we just go to where the kind of quick endorphin burst is every time, then we're going to find ourselves in a post-Brexit Mad Max apocalypse. (laughs) Fact. Fact. News. As Lily on Peter Rabbit says, and I know that for a fact. (laughs) Bye. (laughs)